So last week, if you remember, we, talked, uh, we had a sermon of questions. Um, did anybody contemplate any of those questions during the week? Um, it, was, it was designed to get us to think about what we're here for, also to kind of give you some insight into some of the challenges of uh, preparing a message, because we're such a wide variety of folks. How do you prepare a message for folks for, that are young and old and retired and school and all of these things and make it pertinent as all? But also to look at the idea, we are in the epiphany of the Lord, the season of the epiphany of the Lord, which is about God revealing himself to us. And that's incredible when we consider the activity of God. He chose, he chose to put on flesh, he chose to come and dwell among us. God himself chose to do that because of his great love for us. And the epiphany of the Lord is a core to our understanding of who Jesus is, who the Father is, and who the Spirit is. And it's so worthy and necessary, I think, of affirmation and reaffirmation uh, in the life of the church each year. These up here are supposed to represent the three uh, uh, kind of events that are most often celebrated in that revelation. It's God revealed himself to us through the star and the magi and the shepherds, which is the center piece up there. Then. And I'll, let me say this as well, because this struck me some years ago that, that you know, the magi were Gentiles, right? They were non-Jewish, and the shepherds were Jewish. And so even at the birth of Christ, he is, because it, back then the Jews were chosen, everybody else was unchosen. <laughs> it was, you know, we're the guys that God favors and y'all aren't. You know, it was really simple. And then at the very birth of Christ, the, he brings Gentile magi, Jewish shepherds together to celebrate that birth. It's a beginning of a cha- transition and a change that has enabled us to be here this morning, for one, you know, because uh, you know, most of us in here are, are Gentile believers. And, and it opened up a door for us to be grafted onto the vine, as, you know, adopted as sons and daughters of Abraham, as Scripture tells us. This idea of separation is done away with. And that's powerful for us. You know, we are to be one as the Father and Son are one, as we looked at last year. Uh, on the left up there, well, let's see, which this one is the wedding at Cana, which was the a revelation of the power of God when Jesus turned water into wine. Um, <laughs> Corey Rumbaugh did a post. She, said that, she pointed at, what was it she said? She said something about, I don't think it's a mistake that, that he, 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 he had Jesus make the party go longer. <laughs> Sometimes in the church we can get too kind of dour, and so we, we need to understand that God is not against fun and not against joy. In fact, he's all about that. You know, we are to be irreverent people, but also uh, uh, people who engage in life and in, in, in all that that means. Um, and the other is what we're going to talk about more today, which is the baptism of Jesus uh, by John the, Baptist, the baptizer. Uh, but before I get to that, I want to talk a little bit about baptism. If you've been on Walk to Emmaus, you're going to recognize some of these things because I think they do a really good job of talking about sacraments. Um, there are two basic sacraments in the Protestant church. The Roman Catholics have, I think it's seven. I've heard it's changed again. I'm not positive about that. It's either seven or nine. It was seven when I grew up. I was raised Roman Catholic. I'm a Catholic Pentecostalist, in case you're wanting to track me. Um, I've been through a lot of different churches. Um, and uh, so, so, um, so we have two sacraments. There are two that are given scripturally by Jesus 
to us. One is communion, which we celebrated last week, the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist, the Thanksgiving. And the other is baptism. And, you know, we said, you know, Laurel pointed out at the end, and we do this at the end of the service, we are to go and baptize all nations, or, or we are good to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So we are commanded by Jesus to be baptizers, but he was baptized himself. And baptism is an outward and visible sign of an inward and spiritual grace. It's an outward sign when we are baptized. People can see that we're being baptized, but the work done is mysterious by God inside of us. It's an inward grace that that the Holy Spirit is doing in us. It did mark the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. When when he went um, to John the Baptist, it was his kickoff. You know, he he went to John and was baptized, and, and then he began going into and, and minister in, in his ministry in the world. He gave that to us in, in the Great Commission. Um, baptism marks a new identity in Christ, and, and it, it marks each of us as a member of the body of Christ. In the history of the church, of the Christian church, baptism is done in a lot of different ways and is experienced, at di- done at different ages, depending on a denominational understanding. And I'm going to talk about the United Methodist understanding Primarily, I would go further into other denominations in another setting, but um, this is our, the, for us, we're not concerned <laughs> with the mode, right? You, you can be um, immersed, which is to be put underwater. I personally love that. That's when we have the baptismal uh, uh, horse trough <laughs> there. The <laughs> uh, mobile church, it's us. Um, but but when, that's when when you, you know David was our most recent when we we went. It symbolizes dying to this life and being raised to a new life in Christ. And I love that. I, you know that's that outward invisible, dying to the, this life, letting go of all the junk, and becoming a new creation, as Scripture tells us. Um, we get to walk in the newness of life. There are some places where they pour. You probably have seen them where they take a cup and they'll pour on usually a, young, a baby, but it can be done uh, to anyone, really, where they pour. Others are sprinkling. That's probably the most common in the United Methodist Church because we usually have the baptismal fount with the bowl in it, and that's most common for infants, um, although <laughs> some people do infants a little different. <laughs> Um, I remembered that this morning. You're welcome. <laughs> I don't know if he was arrested or not, but <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, but any, anyway, what, what I, with infants generally, generally I, I don't do that in case you're wondering. In, in case you're wondering. <laughs> yeah, not my thing. Um, so, so it's, I'll, I'll, I'll take a hand and bapti- I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit because infants can sometimes be a little unruly. And, um, of course, that one didn't look very unruly. <laughs> um, <laughs> that comes from Ezekiel. <laughs> Spencer's gone. I'm not sure about this dude. <laughs> Uh, Ezekiel says, I will sprinkle clean water upon you. You shall be clean. 
you know, First Corinthians, Paul writes that you, should, you will wash with water. Uh, the age of baptism um, varies according to Christian tradition. Some uh, other denominations will uh, do what's called christening. They don't see it as baptism. United Methodist Church believes that baptism is baptism, uh, that you only need to be baptized once. So if you're baptized as an infant, you are not baptized again. And the reason for that, we think that God, uh, the Holy Spirit is present in that moment. And because God didn't get it wrong, the baptism took, you know. Um, now, I mentioned I'm a Catholic Baptist Pentecostalist. Part of that is the Baptist, Catholic to Baptist. I can't tell you how many times I've been baptized. <laughs> I'm a recovering drug addict and alcoholic. Um, I've been baptized a few, you know, and especially when they would do the, do any of y'all ever seen those, uh, the end times videos that they used to, put out, like the Revelation Road kind of stuff, man, you want to get a group of guys to come forward, man, just play that, baby, at the end of that, it's like, ah, ah I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> scare you, that, that's what Jesus did, he scared everybody into faith, no, he didn't do that, um, <laughs> where was I, man, I'll tell you, um, in baptism, the, God's offer of relationship is accepted. The, the person being um, baptized is cleansed and incorporated into Christ's body in the baptism of, of adults. It's called believer's baptism. Um, in the baptism of infants and children. Where'd it go? Nah, there it is. Where'd it go? I need him back. Did you already get rid of it? Yeah. Hang on. There he is. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. See? It worked. No, it won't work. The child is probably a screen. Um, in the baptism of infants and children, we celebrate God's unconditional promise um, for their lives. <laughs> it's going on right over here, in case you're wondering. <laughs> Oh, yeah, give me the volume. Hang on, do that again, Paul. There we go. <laughs> yeah, really, and then he says, here. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> okay, so what did you learn in church today? You got to see this video. <laughs> Um, <laughs> don't go there for a baptism. Um, <laughs> yeah, with adults, they have a crane. That they <laughs> um, so in the baptism of infants and ch children, we do celebrate God's unconditional love, and we bring them into the church. In the United Methodist Church, uh, we have what's called confirmation. We know that it's not salvific, right? It doesn't save them, but we have confirmation uh, a time of confirmation, um, usually around 13 or so, when they will take classes, learn more about the faith, and then they'll make that determination for themselves whether they uh, want to be Christ followers or not. Um, so our passage today uh, is out of Matthew, and it has to do with Jesus being baptized. I'm not sure where I am. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay. Thank you. Okay, hopefully that's done. Um, Matthew chapter 3, um, verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Uh, but Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him. He saw the Spirit of God descending uh, like a dove and alighting on him, and a voice from heaven saying, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. And I'm not sure any of us in this past, whether a great theologian or a beginning studier, quite understands exactly why. I'm going to put forward why I think, but, but I don't know that there's a solid why on Jesus needing to be baptized. It's, baptism is a symbol of repentance and turning from. Jesus had no sin. He did not need to turn from anything. He had no sin in his life. He didn't, it didn't need to be forgiven. And baptism, even for us, as, as I mentioned, is not salvific. It doesn't save us. It's an outward sign of an inward work, but it's not needed for salvation. It's a holy sign of a repentant heart, and it's a public profession, which is important to our faith, an outward sign of an inward and spiritual grace. Why would Jesus submit then? And I think that Jesus chose to participate in John's call to a baptism of, of repentance to express kind of why he came, a solidarity with sinful people, us, in need of grace. We're all present with Jesus, in a sense, in the water, and, and we can celebrate our baptism as we honor his. He was obedient. Matthew, of course, understates the whole thing. You can almost miss the weight of this moment as he takes just five verses that are given to telling the story. All of our important questions, all the ones that have split denominations and, 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 and challenged us are not that important to, to Matthew. Issues that such as, <laughs> it's things like how much water do we use? Do we dunk or do we sprinkle? And what is the precise liturgical wording of the ritual? Come on now. John had to use the right wording in order to, to baptize Jesus. That one, we want that one. I want to know what he said. And Matthew kind of blows by that. You know, they don't appear in the account. It just seems like Jesus appears to be baptized by John. Now, John has a problem with this. He's, he's, not, he's not okay with it. You'll, you'll note that when, it, when he uh, kind of pushes back a little bit. Matthew is the only one that gives us this conversation. It's not in the other Gospels. And perhaps the intent is to help explain what seems to be almost an odd behavior on Jesus' part because he doesn't need to repent. Jesus says, let it be so for now. Let it be so for now. And the now is important because now is about his identification with humanity. He is fully God and fully human. Both and. It's not either or. Not either God and, or human. He is fully God and human. And he aligns with us. Christ's essential nature is about that identification. He wants us to know that the righteousness he is fulfilling is the righteousness of his mission. He had a mission to save us. He came so that we might experience salvation. 
So John consented. He consented reluctantly. Uh, and consented doesn't sound like wholehearted support in our passage. The Greek word is, is aphiemi. And it has multiple ways to be translated. It, it can be forgive, lets go, releases, permits. But none of it is an excited, I'm going to baptize Jesus. Woo! It wasn't that. He was reluctant to do it because he recognized who Jesus was. And so he wasn't, he's, he was probably thinking, you know, in fact, he said it, right? He, he said, I have need to be baptized from you. What are you doing here? He doesn't see the bigger picture yet. He doesn't grasp it so he consents. Now, Matthew doesn't say anything about the actual baptism because the very next verse says when Jesus has been baptized. So, so he didn't quite get it right. Of course, taking pictures and stuff, they probably didn't have cell phones back then um, to take pictures and do those kinds of things. So maybe in the church we've been wrestling with the wrong stuff. Maybe it isn't about the amount of water. Maybe it isn't about the position of the body. Maybe it's not about the, the right formula or the specific word spoken. Maybe it isn't as much about the person being baptized at all as the relationship that it denotes for us, the relationship that is established in that sacrament, a relationship with a God who pours down grace and a relationship with the community that receives the grace-filled new member into the body of Christ, which is what happens, especially in infant baptism. We commit as a body of believers to walk beside that person to help them to grow to become who God created them to be. And John might have been uncertain or unable to see the big picture, but God, did, God knew. God saw it immediately. He was not hesitant. He claimed that moment wholeheartedly. The heavens opened, the spirit descended, the voice spoke. This is my son, my beloved, in whom I am well pleased. Well pleased. So who's that for? That voice on high. Matthew said, says, well, he saw a private, or he saw a, the spirit, which would indicate a private vision, but God's voice says, this is my beloved, not you are my beloved. This, he's telling us all. He's saying, this is my beloved in whom I am well pleased. This is my son. This announcement is to everyone. This announcement is to us. It's, it's, it's for us to understand. So what is, who, who is it for, this theophany? Who is it for, theoph this, theoph this revealing the appearance of the Godhead, of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit? Do you see that? The Father speaks, the Spirit comes, and the Son receives. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all in one. It's for us. It's for the readers, the church that would be constituted by baptism. It's why Matthew tells this story. It's, it's why Jesus tells us to go and baptize. He's establishing the ecclesia, which is us, this church that he puts forward, that he builds on Peter, so that we know that Jesus claims solidarity with us by, undergo by being obedient to baptism of repentance, even though he was without sin. Obedience is critical. That's one of the messages that we haven't spent enough time with, I think, in the church. But we also know we share in the pleasure of a God who claims us as his kids. Beloved children, when you're baptized, he looks at you and he says, you are my daughter in whom I am well pleased. You are my son in whom I am well pleased. He loves you where you are and he won't leave you there. So first, it's about Jesus, and it's about the ones to follow who happens to be us. Take a look around. You're the ones to follow. 
So celebrate baptism. Celebrate this belonging, this coming together. Celebrate that God is well pleased with the body of Christ when we are obedient to follow the Christ who leads us. Celebrate these things. God reveals himself. This is the epiphany of the season of the epiphany of the Lord, the revelation of God. Celebrate that he reveals himself to us. And as we enter into the new year, I ask you to pray for us as well. For the United Methodist Church in this season of both struggle and potential, I'm praying that, that we, are, we are not acrimonious this time, that we actually love each other and see what happens. Because it's a time of sadness, but it's also a time of opportunity for us. For us here at Arbor Point, we're going to take a little bit more of a traditional approach. I'm going to be in the lex- what's called the lectionary. It's a United Methodist discipleship process through February 23rd on Transfiguration Sunday. And then Ash Wednesday is the 26th. And during Lent, we're going to be looking at some of the concepts that derive from this idea of obedience to God. Concepts like holiness. What does it mean to be set apart? What does it mean to be holy? Forgiveness. What does it mean to forgive? How do we forgive some of the things that have happened in our lives? Worship. How do we worship 24-7? What does that look like? How do we love others like Jesus did as we head towards Easter on April 12th? But pray. This is a season of prayer. So pray for us.